Today's guest on the show is Mr. Grant Baldwin. Grant has taught like a bajillion people how to speak better on stage, how to get gigs, how to charge for keynotes, workshops, speaking. I know he's been profoundly helpful for me throughout the years. We go way back. And Grant is going to talk to us today about how we can go about doing some speaking experiments in our business, how to get on stages. If that's your thing, or even if it's not, you can learn a ton from Grant. And he's also got a cool new project that's coming out with Jeff Goins, who's also a friend of the show. So strap in, buckle up. Here he is, Mr. Grant Baldwin. Welcome to Experimental. I'm your host, Justin Wise, a pastor turned business consultant for growth-minded entrepreneurs and experts. It's my mission to help you take quantum leaps into your preferred future, find the highest and best use of your time, and build a business chuck full of profit so you can design the life and business you want. If you want to hear how other experts and leaders are using creativity and experimentation to grow their businesses, this show is for you. Hey everybody, welcome to Experimental. We are here with the one, the only, Grant W. Baldwin. I don't know where the W came from, but I feel like there should be like uh, pyros and smoke and flashing lights right now for me to run out to, like run out to, uh, out of the tunnel for a NBA starting lineup or something. Do does the only thing I want to know is I I try and guess what your middle initial is. Did I get it right? Swing and a miss. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for Jeff Goins, who we will talk about at some point in this discussion, I I said Jeffrey P. Goins, and his middle name is not P. I don't know what it start what it is, but it doesn't start with a P. I'm just trying to think if I had any. I don't think I have any idea what it is. He he he's one of those guys that I would not be surprised if he didn't have a middle name, or it is just an initial. <laughs> like wasn't Harry S. Truman like that? Uh, I think I so. Know. Like the S doesn't stand for anything. Look that up later. Someone's going to Google that and tell us. I'm pretty sure the S doesn't stand for anything. And it's just, so it's just we're here today to uh, talk about your illustrious career, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. I love what you're doing. I love uh, the fact that you've been at this. It's so unusual in this world that we live in, that you and I live in, that listeners live in, for someone to be so, uh, to, to be so focused on a message. And it's refreshing because now you have folks saying, oh, now I do this. Oh, now I'm an underwater basket weaver. Now I'm over here. Now I'm over there. Right. And it may not feel that way to you, but what I, what I know just from knowing you and watching your business as it's evolved through the years is that you have been focused on helping people get on stages for quite some time now. I mean, how long have you been talking about this? Well, I was a, uh, you know, so I think where we first connected with was when I was largely speaking full time. So I would come to, uh, I'd come to uh, Des Moines a couple times yeah. a year for gigs and you and I had, had uh, dinner or lunch a couple times and 
and hung out there. And so for many years, I was a full-time speaker. And so I did that for eight, nine years or so. And then just had a lot of people who were asking me, hey, I want to be a speaker, whether that's full-time or I just want to find a couple of speaking gigs. And I don't know where to get started or how to begin. And so what, what do I need to do from there? So that's where we started to evolve and to continue. To, I still speak, not nearly as much as I used to, but um, the, the bulk of what we do now is on the, the training side and teaching speakers how to understand how to find and book gigs. And so yeah, I've been in the speaking industry for 12, 13 years now at this point. Um, but yeah, to, I mean, to your point, I, I definitely agree. And I appreciate the kind words because, um, there's a lot of, it's just as an entrepreneur, it's just easy to, sh- to chase, you know, the, the, the shiny object and the, yeah. the red ball and going, okay, what's the popular thing today. And, uh, but I think, I think by just putting our stake in the ground and saying, Hey, we're going to be known, um, as the go-to guy and go-to resource and go-to company for speaking, uh, and doing that long term has really, really moved the needle for us and really made a big difference uh, versus trying to, you know, chase down whatever the, the flavor of the day is. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, the other thing I like about your business is there's always going to be people who want to speak. Always. There's right, always right. going to be people who want to get on stages. There's always going to be people who want to learn how to do it better. Uh, it's not some trend that you're trying to capitalize on. It's not some fad. It's stable. It is, um, it, it's something that's valuable. You've done it. You know, you're not one of these guys who gets booked to speak at, uh, you know, the, the local, uh, masonry lodge or the mason lodge (laughs) and then they go and make a course about it i mean you've been in the trenches you've done this you've you've spoken at all the stages and and uh you know you so so what you're teaching people is coming out of out of mastery uh again those may not be the words that you would use but this is something definitely that you've you've mastered and you can teach people how to do this so so how how did you get into that component? Because I think that's an interesting part of your story where there are some folks who would say, man, I'm getting, I love speaking 40, 45, you know, let's just say, go crazy and say 50 weeks out of the year. I love doing that. I never want to stop. Yeah. But that wasn't the case for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I got to a point where I was doing uh, 70 gigs a year and really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, there's nothing like being on stage in front of a live audience and you know, seeing the aha and the uh, epiphany moments and getting them to laugh and getting them to think and getting them to go along with you on this, this journey that you're taking them on as a speaker. So there's nothing quite like that. The, the challenge though, I remember a speaker friend told me this early on in my career. He said, he said speaking is a high paying manual labor job. And mm. that we get way, we get paid way too well to stand on stage and run our mouths. And it was, it, that part of it, again, it, it's fun, but there is a limitation. So the way that you make more as a speaker is either you speak more or you charge more. And that's pretty much it. And so when I was doing 70 gigs a year, like I didn't really want to be doing anymore. 70 is a lot. That requires a lot Hold of on. travel. Did you, just say, did you just say 70, 70? 70, 70. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, it's just, a, it's a, it's a lot. Um, yeah. and again, the, the one hour you're on stage or whatever it is, is amazing and everything else is just kind of uninteresting. It's, you're spending a lot of time in airports and hotels and you're trying to remember what time zone you're in or, uh, where you're supposed to be when, and, and you're away from your family. And so there's like that, that non-glamorous, non-sexy part of it. Hold uh, on. Let's park there. Let's park there for a minute. Cause I want to paint a picture for people. <laughs> I want to paint a picture for people. So you're doing 70 gigs a year. Right. Uh, in, my, in my prime, I was nowhere near that, but I was doing enough speaking where I thought to myself like, huh. 
So like, I don't know if I want to do this much. I really like this. It's all the, everything you've been saying. I really like this. I don't know if I want to do this much. Yeah. But I want you to paint the picture for people of what it feels like to be away from your family uh, at 70 gigs a year and sitting in, let's just say an Applebee's <laughs> by yourself eating the Fiesta chicken salad. Mm, mm. What does that feel like? Uh, pretty boring, uh, <laughs> at times. Um, it's just pretty uninteresting. So I'll give an example. There's a, uh, I, I live in uh, Nashville and so become friends with a few different people in the music industry. Um, I was talking with one of them recently and, and I said, uh, they were talking about like people just kind of glamorize, you know, being a, a musician or an artist. And I said, you know, you, you go from uh, tour bus to city to city to city. And he's like, he said the one hour that, or the couple hours we're on stage, like, that's amazing. Everything else is just really boring. He's like, all we do is wait. We're waiting backstage. We're waiting in a in a in a bus. We're waiting in an airport. We're waiting in a hotel room. You're just you're just you're waiting. Uh, that's a lot of what it is to be a speaker. So yes, there is like the part that you stand on stage and and you get standing ovations and and people want to take a picture with you or sign an autograph or whatever. And like that part, that's cool. That's great. That's really fun. You impact people. You you uh, make a good living from it financially. But yeah, there's times where I can remember uh, a couple times um, backing out of the driveway to go to the airport and my daughters, uh, I have three girls, I'm married to my high school sweetheart, and see my little girls um, who are just a couple years old at the time standing at the window as I pull away, just crying because daddy's mm-hmm. leaving again. Um, and so there's, you know, there's that side of it. You're like, yeah, well, that's not fun at all for anybody. And that sucks. Uh, so, you know, there, there's that side of it that... Um, is the non-glamorous, is the non-sexy part um, that nobody talks about, you know? And so you think like, oh, you're just going from resort to resort to resort, you know, speaking in and, you know, just being wine and dine. And the reality is like, I, I've done a lot of gigs in North Dakota in, in like <laughs> December. And it's, yes. I don't know, it's maybe shock you. It's not real glamorous and sexy. Um, yeah. It's really, really cold. Uh, and so, yeah, there's some parts of it that are amazing. Uh, and I don't want to like, downplay that at all but there's also like the the non-glamour side of like you in order to speak a lot and to make a living at it like the trade-off is you're you're going to be gone and so that was a part that was really um that was difficult to really think through at the beginning of just like man do i want to be gone that much or what does that look like uh and so that's where like when i was doing 70 gigs a year of going like this is fun i enjoy it but there is again there is the trade-off um and i've also kind of hit kind of a, a cap or a ceiling of what I want to be doing. I don't want to be doing more gigs. Uh, and the market that I was in, I was on the upper end of what I was comfortable charging. Um, and so trying to think through like, okay, now what do I do? And so again, I had a lot of people asking me, Grant, I want to be a speaker. And some people wanted to do you know, 50, 60, 70 gigs a year. And some that said, I want to do three. And I just don't know how to find those three uh, and everything in between. And so I started um, putting together some training resources about that and teaching some stuff and and so uh, about speaking because I found at the time I think this has changed there's more more and more you know people popping up teaching this um, is that nobody was really teaching the the business side you know like mm. there's a lot of people that taught the art side of how do you be a good speaker and and TED talks were really popular and so you had a, a lot of you know here's how to, to give a presentation like a TED talk and and here's how to put together slides and um you know all that stuff and that's all like there's absolutely a place for that but nobody was teaching like yeah but if you're a great speaker and you don't know how to book a gig like you're out of business and so that's the part that I I was more interested in and felt like there's a real need for uh, and so we started teaching more of that. And so literally, like as that evolved, then I just started going more and more all in on that. 
um, and decreasing the amount of speaking that I was personally doing. So, um, so it, you know, it, it worked out well from that sense that today the business has certainly evolved and changed where um, I'm, still, I'm still speaking. Again, like I said, not nearly as much as I used to, but we're also able to, um, I think we're able to, to create a, a greater impact, uh, but also create, you know, a bigger, um, you know, revenue side for, from the business um, that we had than, than the manual labor job of, of being a speaker. Absolutely. Because you can, you know, the training, the, uh, if folks are interested, thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com, the training. And this is what I love about your angle as well, is that you do walk people through the mechanics of, okay, yeah, great. Here's, here's the, the mechanics of a good, of a good talk. Let's just say, but if you want to make a career at this, and let's be honest, like most people listening to this won't hit that 70 gig per year limit. Right. They yep. just won't. But maybe they're sitting at zero or one and they want to get somewhere, let's say 12 to 24, two, yeah, you know, totally. two a month. You know, you can walk them through and we'll talk about the calculator here in a second because I want people to go check this out. Yeah. Um, but you walk them through like, hey, this is how much you should charge. This is how you get, uh, I remember when you spoke at uh, Tribe Conference, you, you know, this is how you get in front of decision makers. And you walked through the practical ways in which someone can get in front of a decision maker. Mm-hmm. Can you talk briefly to that? So folks are like, man, I, I, I want to start. I thought to me that that talk was, um, was just such a good angle on giving people really practical tips and how to get, let's just start with getting in front of a, a decision maker. How yeah. does one, how does a person, and, and talk about your story too, because I think you do this better than most. How, how does someone do that? Yeah. So uh, to zoom out here, what we teach is um, what we call the speaker success roadmap. It's a five-step uh, uh, process of finding and booking gigs. Uh, and it makes the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K, S-P-E-A-K. And so the S is select a problem to solve. And I think this this is the oftentimes the most overlooked and yet the most critical part of the equation. Uh, so selecting a problem to solve means a couple of things. One, uh, getting really, really clear on who you speak to. So you're not trying to be all things for all people. Uh, and and so if, if, if I were to ask you, you know, who do you speak to? And you say, well, I speak to, I speak to people. I speak to humans. Like that doesn't work. Like that's a, and that, again, this is an Exclusive to just speakers. This is true for any um, uh, you know any type of business or entrepreneurial endeavor. So, getting clear on who you speak to uh, and getting clear on what's the problem that you solve, what's the result that you deliver to that audience. Uh, so, once you're clear on that, and then it actually becomes easier and simpler to find gigs. But you have to spend the time getting clear on who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve for them. Uh, then the P is prepare your talk, prepare your talk. And so this was where talking about the differences between, you know, keynotes and workshops and how to put together a talk and how to deliver a talk and what makes a talk great. Uh, the E is establish yourself as the expert. Uh, and this is where it comes down to like your marketing materials, your website, your demo video are two critical tools that you need as a speaker. So once you are clear who you speak to, what you speak about, putting those, those uh, resources together to show other people and potential event planners and decision makers that this is what I do and this is how I can help serve your audience. Uh, the A is acquire paid speaking gigs, acquire paid speaking gigs. So this is where you get into the, the nuts and bolts of how do you actually find a gig? And, and honestly, the simplest, uh, the, the best gigs to book are those that are, are with events and organizations that are already looking for speakers. So some type of conference, you don't have to convince them to hire a speaker. They're already planning on hiring a speaker. You're just showing them why you are a good fit for their event or for their audience. And then the last one, K, is know when to scale. Know when to scale, meaning that 
a lot of people who are interested in speaking are also interested in perhaps writing a book or doing a course or doing a podcast or doing coaching or consulting or doing all these other bells and whistles. And all those things are well and good. That's fine. But something's going to come first and something's going to come last. So you've got to be really, really clear about how speaking fits into the overall business. So, uh, so one of the ways we like to think about this is as a speaker, like you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet, be the steakhouse and not the buffet. And what we mean by that is that, uh, you, you, again, you don't want to try to be all things for all people. So Justin, if you and I were going to go to lunch and we were going to, uh, we wanted a good steak, we have a, an option. Like we can go to a buffet, you can go to a golden corral or whatever, and steak is one of a hundred things that they offer. And they're all probably mediocre. Or you can go to a steakhouse where that's all they do. Like we don't do uh, burgers. We don't do uh, sandwiches. We don't do soups. We don't do pizza. We don't do pasta or lasagna. We don't do any of these things, but we do, uh, we do steak really, really, really well. And so that's what you want to be doing as a speaker. You want to be positioning yourself as I'm not a buffet. I can't speak on anything to everybody, but I do speak on this one specific thing for this one specific audience. Uh, and actually it's counterintuitive, but it actually be, it makes it easier for you to book gigs because going back to what you touched on earlier is people know what box to put you in and they know where you fit. Oh, you, you're this person. Oh, you speak on this topic. I know an event that you'd be great for, or let me introduce you to this person uh, because they know where you fit versus, you know, there's some entrepreneurs where you think about them or their name comes up in conversation and you're kind of like, I don't really know what they do or I don't really know what they speak on or I think they speak on this, but they used to speak on that. I'm not really sure what they're up to now. Now, You don't want to be positioned as that. You want to be, I am the go-to authority on this for this specific audience. Let me ask you something. Let's say you could time travel. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) stick with me here. You can time travel. I'm along for the ride. And you can go back to the point at which you say to yourself, hey, Grant, I want to speak on stages. So you can go to that exact moment. And you may know that moment right now in your head, but yeah. you, know, you, you don't have to. But let's say you could go back to that point. What would you, what would you say to, to Grant then as Grant now as it pertains to speaking, what would yeah, you I think want a, him to know? Yeah, a big part of it is um, just keeping a long-term perspective on this. You know um, that that speaking takes time. It's like any other business. I think. I think it just it takes time uh, to build. And so, you know, I, I, yeah, eventually I got to seventy gigs per year, but that's not an overnight thing. That's not a one-year or two-year thing. That probably took you know five, six years to get to that right. point. Uh, and so just having that long-term perspective that it's not like for, for someone listening right now who's going like, yeah, I like speaking. Speaking's gonna be, uh, speaking's fun. I enjoy that. I'd like to add that as part of my business. So uh, yeah, I'm going to be a speaker and then just think it's going to magically happen. Like it just doesn't work <laughs> like that, you know? Um, so one thing we tell speakers all the time is everything we, like we teach is simple, but it's not easy. It's right. simple, but it's not easy. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you wanted to lose five pounds, like how, what do you need to do to lose five pounds? Well, you need to pay attention to what you eat and you need to exercise. That's it. Like I'm no health whiz or anything, but I know that much. Uh, and I know that everyone, most everyone could, could <laughs> describe those two things, but it's, it's really, really simple, but it's just not easy. And so the same thing is true with building a speaking business or any type of business really is it's simple, but it's not easy. It requires work. It requires effort. It requires discipline uh, and it's going to take time. And so it's not some type of microwavable process that you, you know, you can, you can do to, to shortcut things. There's, there's things that we, we want to be able to teach. So here's the fastest possible way to get there, but it's still going to require work. It's still going to require effort. 
Uh, and so I think just having that long-term perspective for speakers uh, to not get discouraged, to not quit, to not throw in the towel. There's plenty of speakers and, and just entrepreneurs in general, again, who they are, uh, you may have, they just stuck with it for another six months or something. Like maybe, mm. like maybe they would have uh, like really started to pick up some momentum because speaking is very much uh, a momentum business that it, it's like pushing a boulder uphill and it's really hard at first to get the boulder moving. But once you get the boulder moving, it's actually a little bit easier to, to, find and book gigs because you've got the momentum and it's easier to sustain momentum than to get momentum going. Uh, so just getting the ball rolling here and keeping that long-term perspective is, is one of the biggest challenges. How does somebody know that they are not a great speaker? <laughs> and let, me, let me put some context around this, okay? Because the, the, the immediate answer that I would come up with if I were you is they wouldn't get booked. But let's just say someone is getting booked and whether it's they hold a, they hold a specific knowledge that uh, is needed and desired. Um, like professors might fit into this category, but they're just finding themselves on stages somehow. Maybe they're getting paid. Maybe they're not. But how does somebody know? Oh, uh, it's like the American idol syndrome. You know, you see these folks yeah. going and auditioning and you're like, how did someone not tell you that you were not good at this yet? Yeah. How do you know? How can someone tell like, oh, wow, maybe I'm not as good as this as I thought? Yeah. So uh, I give you a couple of thoughts. One is some of this also depends on what you're trying to accomplish as a speaker. You know, so if you'd said, um, you know, I speak once a year for my job and I don't feel like yeah. I'm doing a great job uh, and but I don't really care about the presentation, then like, all right, then <laughs> then you're going to suck and it's it's fine. <laughs> like that's all you're going for, you know. Versus if someone said like, no, I'm like, I'm interested in becoming a better speaker and uh, I want to, I want to get paid to speak and I'm taking this more seriously, then yeah, you need to be paying attention to, uh, to that. So I think a couple of things. One uh, is videoing yourself whenever you speak to watch back. So there may be things that you're doing that you're not even aware of, uh, whether it's some type of filler word or some type of crutch or some type of thing that you do with your hands that you're just, you're not even aware mm -hmm. of, you know, until you actually watch it back. The other thing I would do is those that when, when you have that video, is talk to those who um, are, are that you know are quality speakers that that you trust that you know that are going to give you good feedback and aren't just going to say yeah you're you're fine. Uh, but getting that actual feedback from other speakers is valuable. Those that you you know you know and respect and and I think it's it, it's important to uh, those that you actually again know and respect and it's not just. Um, you know, like, ah, man, I look up to Tony Robbins. So I'm going to send Tony my video and see if he can <laughs> give me some feedback. Like, it, yeah, good luck with that. Like, that's not going to work. Um, uh, so uh, getting some outside feedback. The other thing I would say is like one of the, uh, the biggest things I'd, I'd think is um, being realistic that from anytime you do anything that you're new at and you're getting started and you're, and you're becoming better, is at first you're going to suck. Like that's just part of it, you know? Uh, and so the way that you become a better speaker is that you speak. So if I look back now to some of those first presentations I gave and watched video, like it would make me cringe because I know that it wasn't good. I know that I'm significantly better as, of a speaker now, but that wasn't like, it's not fair to compare myself then to where I'm at now because I've had a lot more practice. I've had a lot more reps. And so the way that you become a better speaker is that you speak. And the way that you become a better writer is that you write. The way that you become a better, you know, golfer is that you swing the club a bunch, you know, versus just like, I'm just going to click my heels together and assume that I'm going to have some skill that I didn't have. Uh, mm. It just doesn't work like that. So I think also just give yourself some grace to know that if you suck right now, 
that's okay. Like you can make a conscious choice to improve and to get better. But again, it's something that you have to work at rather than just like, well, I suck right now as a speaker and I just, I wish I didn't suck. And I think all of a sudden that's going to change anything. Like it's not. Uh, so you have to continually to work at it. Uh, and I think one of the best ways to get better is to actually continue to get on stage and speak. So speaking of writing, let's, uh, let's focus on the old book you got coming out here soon. Depending on when you listen to this interview, the book is either about to be launched or is launched. The book is called The Successful Speaker. And the one thing I like about this book, and we can certainly talk about the contents, although a lot of um, kind of what we've we've talked about so far, I would imagine is in this book, that the, the method that you took to create this book is a little bit different. So tell me how this book came together, specifically in partnership with Jeff. Yeah, so uh, so Jeff was hosting some type of mastermind thing a couple years ago. It was just a small little thing, a dozen people or so, and he was doing kind of a a luncheon that he invited me to come do like a Q and A at about talking about this stuff. This Jeff Goins, by the way, in case anyone doesn't know, Jeff, we're talking about Jeff Goins, yeah. uh, GoinsWriter dot com. Yep. Yep. Um, and so he was doing this luncheon and, and invited me to come do some Q and a about the, this topic of speaking. And so, uh, I go and do that. And then afterwards he, he texts me and said, Hey, one of the guys there is, um, is in the publishing space and works for a publisher and, and wanted to know if you are ever interested in, in doing a book. And I said, ah, not really. Like when, when I was doing a lot of speaking, I did a lot in the education space. I did a lot with high schools and colleges. And so self-published a book several years ago for students that did well, what sold 30,000 physical copies of the book. And so, um, I wrote every single word of it. So from like a, a bucket list, uh, item of just like writing a book, like, all right, check the box. I did that. So, uh, I didn't necessarily have, and it's just, it's just a crap load of work. So I didn't have huge ambitions to write a book. Uh, someone like Jeff, um, and others are, are like, they love writing. They love books and they just live, eat and breathe them. Uh, and that just wasn't me. And so, um, the idea of writing a book just wasn't, I could certainly saw the value of it, but it didn't, didn't really appeal to me at first. And so he said, just go ahead and at least meet with this guy, meet with the publisher. So I go in and meet with him and, and we have a good conversation. I really like the guy and was intrigued by the idea. So then ultimately what ends up happening is Jeff came back and said, Hey, uh, here's an idea. What if, what if uh, we take all of your content, Great, right? You've done a lot of, of, of interviews. You've got a lot of podcast episodes. You have a lot of course material. You have uh, just a vast amount of, of knowledge on the speaking industry. What if I just pull all of that out of your brain and synthesize it, and I will. Uh, I'll write the book. Uh, I was like, okay, that's that's intriguing. That's interesting. Um, and so long hold story on short, hold on a minute. Yeah, you're telling me, Jeff Goins, who's written. I mean, what's he? He's been on bestseller lists. Uh, what's he on Wall Street Journal? All these written tons of books. Basically, comes to you <laughs> and says, uh, "I'll do the heavy lifting. Just give me what's in your brain." Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So if the, <laughs> if the uh, so so he he kind of pitches this idea. We're kind of talking about what this is going to look like. Um, and I remember I remember uh, um, like a couple weeks later, I was on a um, uh, a mastermind trip with a couple guys, and I I was telling them about this. I was kind of catching them up on this. I was like, all right, here's the concept, and they were all like, and so I was trying to I was just thinking through like, should I do this? Does this make sense? You know, and kind of the the details and logistics of it. And they were like, let me get this straight. So the publisher is going to pay you <laughs> to have Jeff Goins write your book. What's there to think about? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. When you put it that way, sure. Um, 
And so, yeah, so he took like he took all of our our content, and he was was basically the writer for it. And and he knows the publishing world. He knows books incredibly well. Uh, and so he was able to um, uh, to take the content to put it into book form, uh, and to just kind of help us navigate the the process with the the publisher. Um, and so it's been a phenomenal um, you know partnership. So even though it's all of my content, uh, I still consider Jeff like a, a big uh, a huge huge part of the book, and it wouldn't have happened without him. So uh, Jeff is a close friend, and um, uh, yeah, the the book is uh, is is available now because uh, because of Jeff for sure. So. I I, want to stick with this just for a little bit because this to me is the most exciting. Yes. The content grant knows what he's doing, knows the stuff T has taught. How many people have you taught to do this? Thousands? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Thousands of people have gone through our our courses, you know, we have have tens of thousands that listen to the podcast. So um, yeah, uh, a lot of people. So the subject matter, no, that's not in, in question, but what I love about this so much is like, yeah, you could have gone out and hired a ghostwriter, which by the way, hate to burst your bubble, folks listening, but the majority of the books that you and I read, uh, even though they may have a big name attached to them, they're ghostwritten. Yeah. Um, and that's not good or bad. It just is. Yep. But you could have done that. Sure. But you, you instead found somebody and partnered with someone who loves that world and himself has a platform like his name is in, this is not typical. And I, you know, this isn't your traditional ghostwriting book. Right. Um, and so I love the fact of what you said was, Hey, he had just, he had a huge role in making this book what it was. Yeah. Um, and so, so I see this more and more where like someone with a specific skill set will partner up with this, uh, another person and it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals 50. Yeah. yeah. So what you've created together now will, will go above and beyond anything that you may have created individually. Yeah. 100%. Tell me what that was like going through that with Jeff, not as a Jeff as a ghostwriter, but Jeff as a collaborator. Yeah, I'll tell you the piece that really was valuable was, uh, well, a couple things. One is like, again, because Jeff has written numerous books and he has a good idea of like structure and flow and um, because I'm just, you know, for me, I feel like I'd be staring at a blank screen like, I don't, I don't know where to begin or what to do. And, um, you know, this, that speak framework, the S-P-E-A-K, like that's something, a framework that we were teaching before the book. And so we kind of had a, a rough outline of what that would look like, but then Jeff kind of helped us flesh out, you know, here's what we need to do and here's how, where we need to include stories and examples and case studies and uh, additional resources and all that stuff. So he was really, really helpful on that side uh, of what, like, because of, because he's just, he's in the world of books, like he just knows what makes a good book. And I just, I don't feel like I know that, you know, it's kind of like there's people who can, um, who can listen to music and just be like, Oh, that music was really well. And like, they just hear all these nuances that I just, I didn't get that skill. I can't pick up on that. And so I think Jeff's kind of similar when it comes to books. Like he's just got that trained ear for books, so to speak, that he just, he sees a book or reads a book and he just knows like, Oh, that was a really good book. And I can point to here's why. Um, So from that standpoint, he was really, really, you know, did a phenomenal job on just crafting the book itself. The other part that was really invaluable is uh, working with and navigating with the the publisher um, mm. because it, before I had self published uh, my previous book and where you know you make all the decisions and with a with a publisher involved a traditional publisher um, you know it's been a good experience but there's also been parts of it that you know are are 
wouldn't necessarily call it frustrating, but you just kind of, you know, figure out and navigate. And so there's multiple times I'd text Jeff and be like, Hey, they just ask us that, what are we supposed to do here? Or what's normal? Or they're needing us to do this. Or like, is this like, how are we supposed to respond? And so him just being able to say, yep, we're going to do this. Nope. We don't do that. And yada, yada. And here's their thing. And here's our thing. And yada, like just all that stuff that I was just like, I don't know the answer, but Jeff tells me what to do. And I just do that. Uh, that's been incredibly, incredibly valuable. So, um, yeah, so the, like the actual, you know, quote unquote, pen to paper, uh, part of it is, you know, one of the best at, but then also just the, the knowledge of here's how you, here's how you, you, you work with a publisher and the things you need to be, you know, thinking through and aware of. Um, he was also just incredibly helpful with that. Having been through this process now with him or, you know, with with a with a collaborator like Jeff, do you see yourself doing another book on your own? Do you see yourself doing another book self published with a collaborator, or not at all? Um, I mean, I, I would say this like like I mentioned earlier, um, doing a book in general wasn't like man, this is really really high on my priority list. Um, yeah, and so I think it, I think a lot of it will kind of depend on you know how the book does. Like we um, basically our agreement was um, he you know, like you mentioned, he was, he was doing a lot of the heavy lifting up front and I'm doing a lot of the heavy lifting now when it comes to the Mm -hmm. actual marketing side. So, um, you know, for example, I think I've told you offline this, like we've got 60 podcast interviews lined up and Jeff is doing zero of those. (laughs) Um, but he also did all the heavy lifting up front and that, so, um, so it was like, you're going to do, and he told me this at the beginning, like, I'm going to do all the heavy lifting at the beginning. You're going to do all the heavy lifting at the end. And it's like, deal, let's do that. And so, uh, so it's, it's the baton's been passed to me and I'm doing my part to, to get the word out on it. Um, and so I have told Jeff this because the, the one caution was, um, you know, Jeff and I were friends long before this project. And, you know, you do, you, you do some deep work together with friends and like, there's chance that you could come out the other side and not right. be friends. Right. Um, and so we had talked about that. I was like, man, I don't, you know, if we thought this was going to damage our friendship in any way, like, let's not do this. It's not worth it. And both of us agreed on that. Um, and I've told, I've told him this privately. I've told him this publicly. Like if I was, um, you know, if I had the opportunity to do this all over again from scratch, knowing what I know now, I would still a hundred percent do this with Jeff. Like I just, I just had a great experience with him. Um, and have had a great experience. And, and I think he would say the same. Um, and I know so much so that this has become like part of his, his business model now where he's doing more and more of this, you know, um, kind of like non ghostwriting, ghostwriting projects, yeah. you know? Um, and that, that's, that's something he really, really loves. He loves writing books. He loves crafting books. And so this has been a, a big win for him. So I was kind of the, the guinea pig for that. And it's been, you know, again, it's been a win for both of us. So long-term, what will I do? Uh, who, who knows? You know, there, there's certainly pros and cons with uh, traditional publishing versus self-publishing. There's things that the publisher has done that you're like, man, that's really valuable. I, oh, man, if I had to do that on my own, that would have been a huge pain in the butt. There's other things you're like, yeah, you know, they because we're working with them, we got to play by their rules at times and maybe we would have done it differently. So, uh, you know, you have that, that trade-off to make, but, um, I mean, overall it's been a, a solid experience. The book is called the successful speaker, five steps for booking gigs, getting paid and building your platform. Uh, uh, it is actually number, well, last I checked anyway, it was number one pre-order, uh, new release, which is amazing. Woohoo. Congratulations. Thanks, man. So if this book, if you're listening to this before February 2020, you can pre-order the book. If you're listening to it after February 2020, go buy the book. Uh, If folks want to hear more about um, 
you, Grant, and how you can help them get on stages? Where do they go? We got uh, all the resources and tools and training and all that stuff over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. And also we've got um, those that listen to this podcast, probably listen to other podcasts. So we've got uh, the Speaker Lab podcast. We've had 260, 270 some podcast episodes over there now. So a big, big catalog and backlog that uh, people can go consume. Uh, You you were on there a while ago. So uh, we'll have to find that episode, maybe link up to that. But uh, yeah, so we've got a got a lot of uh, podcast episodes people can consume there as well. Um, the one thing that is the is the uh, we'll, we'll do what they call in the biz a tease. How about that? <laughs> uh, is the is the calculator on thespeakerlab.com? dot com? Yeah. So, uh, in fact, if you, the simplest thing to do is if you go to uh, myspeakerfee.com, uh. myspeakerfee.com, we uh, we basically. Um, we people ask all the time, like, how much should I charge as a speaker? And the, the answer is that it depends, which is a horrible answer. Uh, and so we put together a free tool where basically if you, uh, you go there, you answer six or seven questions, and it'll tell you what you should be charging as a speaker. Uh, totally free calculator. It takes less than a minute to do. Um, but yeah, go check that out, myspeakerfee.com. Mr. Grant, a gentleman, as always, love what you're up to. Congrats. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Dr. Justin Q. Wise. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Experimental. If you want to support the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. As small as it seems, it does wonders to grow the podcast and reach more entrepreneurs like you with the mission of this show. If you're interested in learning more about the work I do, head on over to starttheexperiment.com and take a look at some of the client success stories on the page. Until the next episode of Experimental, thanks for listening.